Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. Welcome today to our Wednesday message. We're in a series called Pondering Prophecy. We've been dedicating these Wednesday messages to, to prophecy. And you can get our messages actually twice each week, as we also broadcast on Sunday, our regular Sunday worship service. And we're presently going through the Acts of the Apostles. So tune in on Sunday and you'll be able to uh, get us uh, twice every week. You know, over the past few weeks, we've looked at a number of different portions of Scripture related to the end times. In particular, we spent four weeks, four whole weeks, looking at the first four seals that are opened in chapter 6 of the book of Revelation. Now these are called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We saw that these first four seals begin the seven-year period we know as the, as the tribulation. Now today we're going to be looking at verses 9, 10, and 11 of the sixth chapter of Revelation, just those three verses. And the title of my message today is God's Day of Vengeance, or you could just say the fifth seal. Um, so let's go ahead and read these verses and then we'll, we'll spend some time talking about them. Uh, we're going to look at Revelation chapter 6 beginning at verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for their testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be killed as they were, were completed. Now, as we begin this examination of the fifth seal and this most significant passage, you may find it interesting or perhaps even sensational to title the message today, God's Day of Vengeance. You know, people will tell me, they say, Pastor Ken, why are you talking about the vengeance of God? That's not like you. Well, that's what this fifth seal is actually about. It begins with a scene of the departed souls that are said to be under the altar. We know these as the tribulation saints. These departed souls are, are martyrs, and they say something that's actually a, a prayer. They cry out, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? What they're looking for is they're looking for assurance that there will be a time coming when they see that they are avenged. Now we don't often speak of the Lord or the Lord as, as a vengeful God and likely for many actually associating God with vengeance is possibly the, the last thing, at least the, less, the least likely connection in your mind to associate God with, with vengeance. You know we worship and speak of a God who is loving and kind, compassionate, considerate, forgiving, and loving. Did I say loving? I, I, I did. Well, saying it twice is actually consistent with the way that we, we think of, of God. 
Now, all of these adjectives that I've just said, all of these descriptions I've mentioned are actually correct. God is truly loving and compassionate and forgiving and, and sympathetic. He also hears our cries, and these departed souls under the altar are crying out for vengeance. They expect it. They deserve it. And they know that it will come. The question they have is, how long before it happens? Now, before we continue, I, I still feel there are, there are some of you that are not convinced. Some of you that I'm speaking to that are still wondering about this context, uh, this topic for today, God's Day of Vengeance, and wondering if it's, if it's truly appropriate. And I could, I could be, it could be that some are not fully, fully convinced that God would actually seek vengeance. It's kind of like something that we may understand as possible, but not something that we want to focus on, because it, it can be uh, very unpleasant. Now see, while it, it may be unpleasant, the thing is, is that we'll see today that the vengeance of God is fully part of His, His character. And if we want to be faithful, in embracing the entire counsel of God, we need to not only hear what the Word of God has to say, we also have to understand that in part, actually a major part, for the reason of the tribulation, this seven-year period that's going to come on the earth, is because of God's vengeance. The one reason we rarely speak of God's vengeance is because our understanding of God and one of His best-known qualities is that he's, he's patient. Uh, God is patient. And he actually revealed this to, to Moses up on Mount Sinai. When Moses met the Lord on Mount Sinai, the mountaintop was, was covered uh, in a cloud. And out of the cloud came the voice of God. Let me read that section of scripture to you. It's from Exodus chapter 34, beginning in verse 5. Now the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Now, I, I'm reading from the New King James, and the word long-suffering that we just read is often translated in other translations as just the word patient. In the original Hebrew, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I can look up the Hebrew just as well as anybody, the Hebrew word that is translated as long-suffering, or often patient, is a combination of two Hebrew words. Arak, meaning long or patient, and slow, and af, meaning nostril, face, wrath, or anger. So these words, arak af, are best translated as, as slow to anger, or patient, or slow to wrath. Or as one commentary I read says, God waits a very long time before he gets in your face. So this is our, this is our patient God. We can understand the idea behind the word long-suffering as it means that God is, is slow, slow to anger. He doesn't have a, a short fuse like, like many of us. And he's patient. Now we should be glad for that. God is patient with us. He's patient with all sinners. And at the same time, while God is patient, his long-suffering can and will come to an end. 
We saw this in the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, as well as sending Israel first, and then Judah as well into, into captivity. You know, it's important for us to remember that God is patient and God is just. His, his justice requires that the wicked are punished. In fact, we are the ones that are not to be vengeful, and the reason is, is because vengeance belongs to God. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35, uh, it says, Vengeance is mine and retribution. That's God speaking. Twice more in the same chapters, verses 41 and 43, God says, I, I will render vengeance on my adversaries. You know, often when we read the Psalms, we come across a writer, maybe King David or Solomon, and, and there's words in there about calling out to destroy their enemies, to destroy the wicked. Uh, David often calls for God to bring about justice through vengeance against the enemies of Israel. Now, these psalms, and there's a few of them, are called imprecatory psalms. Uh, the most well-known of these imprecatory psalms is Psalm 69 and Psalm 109. These psalms, if you read them, invoke judgment, calamity, and vengeance on the wicked and the enemies of the Lord. Now, there are also portions of the psalms with similar prayers for God to bring vengeance on the wicked. So, so why is this important? Why am I, I telling you this? Well, here in the chapter 6 of the book of Revelation, the Lamb of God is opening the seals on a, on a scroll. The first seal was the rider on the white horse, and we said that that was the Antichrist, an imposter that deceives Israel and all of the nations. He comes in peace, and the Jews embrace him for the first half of the tribulation. But the Antichrist's heart is corrupt. He's evil and he conquers. This first rider is followed by the second seal and the second rider who's on a red horse. And we're told that that red horse and that rider brings violence and war. The third, water, the third rider that follows is on a black horse and that represents famine, pestilence, scarcity, and the shortages of necessary things like medicine. The fourth horse is pale green. Pale green is the color of death and represents death and Hades. So this is the progression of the seals on the scroll. And as we see the fifth seal is opened, we see the martyrs, those that have been faithful, but those whose lives have been cut short. They've been taken. Now, these martyrs didn't die from the plagues or scarcity or even war, but they were martyred for their faith. Their crime was their relationship with God through Jesus Christ, who had come that we may have life, and as the Gospel of John says, have it abundantly. You see, at this time that we're reading in the book of Revelation, the time of grace has come to an end. Now, that doesn't mean that people are not still saved by grace, but coming to an end, we mean that the age of the church, the era of the church, is over. The age of grace that began at Pentecost with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and when the gospel was taken to all nations, all tribes, all languages, and all peoples, that age is, is over. When the church was active in restraining the evil one that had been at work but those activities were restrained by the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer. Uh, at this point in the book of Revelation, the age of grace is over. 
Jesus has returned for his bride and met all of those that were in Christ that had died before and those that were alive. Jesus meets them in the air and the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians that they'll forever be with the Lord. Now for those who remain, for those that are left behind, those who dwell upon the earth, they're in a seven-year period that we've called the that is called the time of tribulation. It's also called the time of Jacob's trouble because that's one of the primary purpose of the tribulation is to bring salvation, redemption, and, and restoration to the Jewish people. It's a time when God's focus is, is no longer on the church, but the focus of God in this end time is on Israel. Israel is the key to truly understanding Bible prophecy in the, in, in the end times. Now Jesus speaks of this time period as well. When the tribulation begins, Jesus says it's going to be similar to, to birth pains. It's a term we really all understand. A mother gives birth to a child after a nine-month gestation period. At the end of this period, birth pains lead to labor, which leads ultimately to delivery. The birth pains get increasingly more intense and closer together, and then the time arrives. Now, the birth pains lead to the second half of the tribulation. This is the time of, of God's vengeance. Luke records the words of Jesus on the Mount of Olives in Luke 21, 22, and it says, For these are the days of vengeance, this is Jesus speaking, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Now, this time period is after the Antichrist reveals his, his true colors. This is after the first three and one-half years, the birth pains that Jesus speaks of. Then the fury of God's vengeance really hits. This is possibly the midpoint of the tribulation. Luke calls those days, those days in the second half, the days of, of vengeance. Now, Paul also speaks of the last days, the days of tribulations, as a time of, of vengeance. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. You see, Paul tells us very clearly there's coming a, a day of vengeance. The apostle Peter saw the same thing, the same day of vengeance. Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3 says, The day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, the earth and the works in it will be, all be burned up. Now, the book of Revelation, which is our primary text, is actually very, very well organized. And it can be understood. It's really not that difficult. And the time of vengeance is, is clearly described. The seven seals that begin in chapter 6 are followed by seven trumpets and then seven vials or bowls. And these are cataclysmic judgments that come in short order in growing intensity. 
both the trumpets and the seals happen in the second half of the seven years of tribulation, the last three and a half years, and Jesus calls this the Great Tribulation. Now, as we look at these three verses again, I want you to notice three things. We're going to look at the persons involved, the prayer they have, and the promises they receive. First of all, let's look at the persons involved. Verse 9 says, And when he broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they maintained. The seal reveals souls under the altar. Now, how did they get there? Well, the verse says that they were killed. So it's safe to say these are, these are martyrs. You see, after the false peace of the Antichrist and then the war and the famine and the natural pestilences of the seals 2, 3, and 4, what happens is widespread death of a quarter of the population of the world who have, and then we have persecution resulting in martyrdom. Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, verse 9, then they'll deliver you into tribulation and they will kill you. Now, this is what we see. The souls under the altar in the fifth seal have been killed. More specifically, they've been martyred. This is what Jesus said would follow the natural disasters and the pestilences. Uh, it is persecution. Jesus says, you will be hated by all nations on account of my name. Now this is an indication that this, this persecution, this oppression that leads to the death of these true believers will be encouraged by a worldwide religious system headed by the false prophet. In Revelation chapter 17, the angel that pours out the seven bowl judgments shows that the judgment is, comes on the great harlot, the false religious system that comes to prominence after the bride of Christ is, is removed. This false religion, this great harlot, is described as a woman dressed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. In her hand she has a golden cup full of atrocities of her immorality. In verse 5 it says that on her forehead a name is written and it says, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abomination of the earth. Verse 6 continues, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. You see, we, more, we see more and more that the world despises those who identify, identify with Christ. We're, we're already seeing that today. It starts long before the Antichrist is actually revealed. The Apostle Paul, in talking about the end times and the gathering of the saints, in what we know as the rapture, says this. He says, for the mystery of, of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way, and then the lawlessness, lawless one will be revealed. Now, point number two. We see the cry of those who are martyred and a petition, their request. Verse 10 says this, And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Now, when they say how long, that refers, refers to a specific point in time. How long refers to the desire to see the completion of this period, when all of those that are chosen to align themselves with the Antichrist and against God will be judged. 
Now, the Antichrist is not truly fully revealed until the midpoint when he desecrates the temple in Jerusalem. The Lord comes for the bride, the church, at the beginning of the tribulation period, actually before the tribulation period starts. And then the Antichrist is, begins to be revealed. For the first part of the tribulation, he has deceived the world into thinking he's the, he's the prince on the white horse, a savior, a world deliverer. However, persecution begins as well. As the church is removed and sin goes rampant. Now many speculate, and I'm, I'm, I'm including myself in there, many speculate that with the removal of the church and what we know as the restrainer, which is the Holy Spirit, at the rapture, this actually becomes one of the causes of the persecution. The departure of the saints could easily cause great economic, social, and economic, I said economic twice, economic and social upheavals. And those that embrace a biblical understanding of what has happened could become the targets of persecution. And then comes the falling away that Jesus spoke of. Jesus says, at that time many will fall away and deliver up one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. And because of this, lawlessness is increased. Most people's hearts will grow cold. Now, one of, once the persecution starts, many fall away. It becomes easier for many to believe the lie. However, many will still persevere. The scripture says the one who endures until the end will, will be saved. Enduring, however, most likely and often times will mean martyrdom. They'll be killed. Now let's go to the third seal. I mean the, the third promise, the third part of this promise. The third promise is given. Then a white robe was given to each of them. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. Here is the promise in verse 11. There are two considerations actually. The first is really a, a gift, a, a white robe, a robe of, of righteousness. And then secondly, the promise. Wait, it says wait and rest until something is completed. Uh, what is completed? Well, the number of their fellow servants, their brethren, who will be killed as they were, that's what needs to be completed. So while God's day of vengeance that is revealed in the fifth seal, where we see the souls of the tribulation saints and the promise made to them to wait, just wait a little, wait a little longer, remember that that day of vengeance has not yet come. You need to just breathe a, a corporate sigh of relief. That day has not yet come. There's still time. We are living presently in the age of the church, the day, the age of grace. One last word to those who think that because we believe that the church will be raptured before the tribulation, that we're escapists somehow. Uh, we don't think that we'll have to suffer. Well, yes, uh, I'm definitely an escapist, but at the same, same time, millions of Christians have suffered all through the ages, and, and suffering comes. Jesus said we will all have tribulation, but that's not the same as going through the time of Jacob's trial, the great tribulation. That doesn't, however, change what the Bible says. God's day of vengeance will come. It will be a day of wrath. But the church is not appointed to wrath. Wrath comes upon those that are condemned, but in Christ there is no 
condemnation. Today, we're in the age of grace. It's the time that we're to go and make disciples. Tell them about Jesus. Tell your friends and your neighbors and your relatives about God's grace and His mercy. Let them know that Jesus died for their sins, that they don't have to work so hard to try to please God. God is well pleased in Jesus. And when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, God is well pleased in us. Have compassion on your neighbors. Tell them that it's Jesus that saves. Jesus forgives our sins. And only Jesus loved us so much that he died for us that we may have eternal life. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, for this message today. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.